Hey folks, welcome to Got Your Back. Emergency bonus pod. Big trade in the National Hockey League today. The Vancouver Canucks, who probably have gotten more airtime on this podcast than any other team this year, finally get that deal done. Bo Horvat, now a member of the New York Islanders. Today's bonus episode brought to you by our good friends at Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, Pro Hockey Life, and Liberty Smart Security as well. Not going to be a full-size podcast today, just a quick hitter. So we're not going to waste a ton of time. We're going to get right to the fellas. Pierre Lebrun is working the phones as we speak, so he's not available. But in his stead, we have Farhan Lalji on the phone from Vancouver and Mike Johnson. Fellas, can you both hear me? Every Everybody can hear everybody? Oh, loud and clear. Although yes. I'm offended that you've been talking a lot about the Canucks. First time I've been on your show. That's uh, I guess it is, isn't it? Yeah, you're a busy guy, though, Farhan. You know, all the... All the coaching and the kids and the running around and back and forth across the board. You're not an easy guy to nail down, pal. No, that is fair. But uh, <laughs> and I got to Seattle. My son's got a training session. I got a call. Oh, oh Horvath's been traded. Oh, good. Oh, good. Can't wait for Ryan the Chugs call. <laughs> <laughs> Just what you <laughs> need, because Gino Retta and Sports Center and you know your own podcast and all that other stuff isn't enough responsibility. Yeah. Okay, well, listen, we have limited time here with Mike Johnson, so let's let's uh, run down this trade real quick. Uh, if people have not heard yet, the trade: Bo Horvat, now a member of the New York Islanders, in exchange. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks get left winger Anthony Beauvillier, who's got a year left on his deal. Prospect, a second round pick from uh, 2021, Atu Ratu. He's six foot two. And uh, we'll discuss just what type of prospect he is and where he potentially lands. They also get a first round pick conditional in this year's draft, top 12 protected. If. That pick slides to 2024. It is not protected. So some risk next year, depending on what happens. And then also uh, news breaking out of Lula Morello's press conference that the Canucks are retaining 25% uh, of Bo Horvat's salary. So there is the deal in its entirety. Farhan, you cover the Canucks every day and have so brilliantly for 25 plus years. Your initial instinct when you heard all the details on this deal, my friend. Well, it's uh, look, it's where the Canucks needed to go, right? They're in a situation from a salary cap standpoint where they, they couldn't continue on with Bo Horvat. They made a decision this summer, uh, and they won't frame it this way, but it's pretty clear that the cap situation from the previous management team left this group in a situation where they had to make a choice, and they chose J.T. Miller. They were very close to signing Bo Horvat in July. Uh, they didn't get done, and, I mean, it was very close, and then they quickly pivoted and went in on, on J.T. Miller, which surprised a lot of people. And I think they felt coming out of last season that look, these guys could all play center. It's been pretty clear to this point that J.T. Miller is not good down the middle. He's a winger, um, which is going to leave this organization in a tough spot at the center position, depending on what happens with Rotu here down the road. But it, it, for me, it's bittersweet. I mean, you know me, when it comes to the Canucks, I care more about the Vancouver part than the Canuck part. Right, So the Canucks needed to make this decision from a salary cap standpoint. Uh, in terms of Bo Horvat in Vancouver, this guy is as good as they come. In a room that can be really challenging to cover at times, Bo Horvat is a prince. He is a class act. He, like, How many players do you know that could go into the final year of their deal like this? Not like the old days when 
McGillney used to do it every second year. Like usually the distraction from a situation like this in the Canadian market would weigh you down like nobody's business. And instead, right. Bo Horvat's had a career year. The odd time he's been in the playoffs, he's performed at a high level. Like he's he's a you know he's a captain. He's represented the organization really well from a cultural standpoint. I think it's unfortunate, but financially, this was the way they had to go, and they they needed first round picks. They needed prospects. They needed more. Mike, let's talk about the return. What do you think of the return? No contract in place. Lamorello says they want to get talk started right away. Did they get enough for a player of this caliber, having a career year? Yeah, it's interesting because I think the Beauvillier contract kind of matches off Horvat's retained contract. So that's probably a financial component. And they get what? The player they were talking about, a prospect that maybe still might hit in Ratu, and and that's debatable. And they get a protected first-round pick, like a mid-first-round pick. The one thing I do like about Vancouver and the decision they made is they went for the future. They didn't go get a 25- or 26-year-old. They went for players and picks that will help them two, three, four years down the road because that's when they'll be good again, not next year, not this year. I think that was a good idea. Ratu, you know, obviously had a huge world junior, scored really well in Europe, hasn't happened at the NHL level, not a great skater, which is the one kind of concern that I would have about him as a prospect and, and how well he will translate, especially if you plan on playing him in the middle. Uh, and then the first-round pick will be the first-round pick. But um, I do think at least the the philosophy of the trade was the right one for Vancouver. So, Farham, we'll get back to you in just one second. Johnny, you made a point to me earlier uh, – Lou Lamorello, mm-hmm. there could be some strategy at play here on the timing. So they're going to talk contract, and maybe they can work something out. Maybe they can't. We'll see what happens there. The New York Islanders are not guaranteed to make the playoffs. They're going to be in a fist fight here to get there. By doing the trade now, does Lamorello open up an interesting option depending on the way it goes? Maybe this is me galaxy braining it, because if I was in their shoes, this would cross my mind. Let's say you trade them there and you don't light it up, and you fall six, eight points back at the deadline, and you can't re-sign him, you can't get him on the deal you want, you could trade him again. You could flip Bo Horvat again to some other team that is interested at the deadline. He's already got 25% retained. You can retain a little bit more and get back all the assets younger. Who knows what you could do there? I, if you can't, And if you can't sign him, they should absolutely do that. So um, that kind of crossed my mind. And same thing with Vancouver. I mean, Bo, Bo Villiers doesn't have to stay in Vancouver. They could trade him along at the deadline as well. So um, maybe these parts aren't finished moving. I just thought if they can't re-sign them yeah. and they haven't really started talking, if you believe that, then, then that might be an option. For really interesting suggestion. Farhan, why were the Canucks not allowing teams to talk to Horvat's camp about an extension? Because conventional wisdom is if you let the two sides talk and they can work out a deal, you get more value back in the trade. Why? They seem stubborn about this one. Why? It's a great question, and we're going to ask Patrick Alvin about this in about 45 minutes here. It made no sense, and a lot of people felt, and I kind of heard that when they got down to the final short strokes on a deal and they liked the return, that at that point they may open that door up for teams to talk to Pat Morris about an extension, but to my understanding, that didn't happen at any point in this trade, so I'm with you. They should have allowed it. They should have been able to create a bigger market by doing so. I think they felt on some levels that they had lost a level of leverage if they were going to allow that to happen. doesn't make sense to me at all. And, you know, the concept of flipping, and Johnny, to your point, I, I think it, it makes a lot of sense for the Islanders because they've got some time to see how much better they can be with them. Scoring's been a problem for the Islanders right now. And Horvath's scoring at uh, elite level right now. He's uh, eighth in the league in scoring, 31 goals. He's on ca- a career pace does great things in the power play, does great things as a face-off guy. So 
he can give them their best opportunity to get in. And if not, right, you're right. They can flip him and, and uh, take some more cap space on and make that situation even more valuable at that point. And from a Canucks standpoint, this isn't about Beauvillier. And it's great that they got a first-round pick because all the dialogue we've been getting from Jim Rutherford has been that that isn't their priority. If they can get one, great. But it almost felt like a Beauvillier-type player was their priority. They wanted a guy who could come in and play today. They were talking about, they didn't use this term, but essentially reclamation projects, right? Like high-pedigreed guys that didn't work out in their first stop, and maybe they could extract some more out of that player with a second chance. But Rotu is is that guy that I think this trade hinges on as far as a player is concerned. Mm-hmm. I think they do believe in his potential. They're going to need help at center because, you know, without Horvat, this organization's got nothing down the middle after Elias Pettersson. So, you know, can he do something? In the, and the pick was important because we didn't get the sense, like I said, that that was going to be the priority. So that the fact that they can get all three of those is a good thing. But what was missing was they didn't get a defenseman, and that's a real problem. Right, and they didn't shed any defense in salary. That's also a bit of a problem for Vancouver. <laughs> well, Think about from, from New York, though, right? We know they can't. They cannot score. Both scoring a ton this year. They cannot score in the power play. They've been like three for the last 56 or whatever it is. Well, Horvat, very good in the power play. And you think Barzell, Horvat, 1-2, two, 2-1? Two, like, that's a pretty good starting point for New York to kind of turn things around. So we'll see if it works there. But um, I, I, if you think Anthony Bavillier, who I know has been a, you know, I guess a highly touted player, but, like, even if you reclamation project him forehand, like, what are you talking about? You're talking about a top-six winger. They got a lot of top-six wingers. There's Connor Garland, there's Brock Besser, there's JT Miller, there's Kuzmenko. Like, they got a lot of guys that kind of do what Bovillier does even if Beauvillier kind of rebounds and gets to where you think he might be able to go, it seems a little redundant as a winger if that's your if that's your project when they got a lot of them already on their team. Well, and they've also got two young guys in Vasily Podkolzin and Niels Hoaglander who've been sent down to yeah, the those guys too. That at some point they got to get back up here to see what they can do. And you know they they just lost Mikheyev uh, for the season, right? But you're right. I mean, when you come into the season, the Canucks they felt that if Miller could work as a winger, or sorry, as a center, that they could have three legitimate lines. And it hasn't worked out that way because Miller wasn't good at center. They've taken Pod Colson and Hoaglander and they've sent them down and it just hasn't worked out. So they've been able to, they've been attempting to manufacture a top six when Rick Tockett took over, he put Miller back to the middle and, and tried to play with three pairs and then throw in whoever they could uh, to flesh out the top three lines. So, you know, you can make the case that there is a spot for him right now, but big picture, if it's me, I'm taking a look mm-hmm. at those young guys in a non-pressure environment right now where you could give them some run because it really doesn't matter. You, you know what I mean? Like, they're miles away from the playoffs. You don't have to sit them or reduce their ice style like Bruce Boudreaux did. It's over now as far as the playoffs are concerned. I think they should give those guys some run, and maybe a guy like Beauvillier is, is kind of in the way of doing that, right? Johnny, are you understanding yeah, the vision? Mention, Go ahead. Not to mention Besser. And yeah. like, like, who are you going to take the ice time from? Like, guys who want it, who well, need it themselves. So that's an issue. Like, that's a problem. And they're going to try to trade Besser, right? Like, they are trying yes. actively yeah. to trade Besser. There have been no yeah. takers. Johnny, surely they could move him. That helps. Johnny, and we'll let you go here. I know you got to run, Johnny. But are, are you understanding the vision? Like, the, you know, there's been question about the Vancouver Canucks. And what is the plan? And what is the window? And mm-hmm. how much has that changed? And even Jim Rutherford and his availability. Like, major surgery, minor surgery, short-term, long-term. Are you understanding the vision that they have in play here? And do you think this trade is in line with a vision that makes sense? Well, I mean, yes, in the sense, I understand it because they need to get rid of money and they've made, they've committed money maybe to the wrong people, but that ship has sailed. 
So they got to do what they can do right now. I get that part. I don't get the part about getting 25 year olds that they can reclaim. Like this team, major surgery we're talking about, you're, you know, multiple years away from being a contender. I mean, not to make the playoffs, but to be a contender to make the Stanley Cup again. And so um, acquiring middle-aged, talented players doesn't seem like a great idea. I think youth and rebuild, and you're talking about Oakland, you're talking about Paul Colson, like those are the guys that they're going to build around with going forward to me. So maybe they backed into the right thing with Ratu and a first-round pick. Um, But we'll see what else they do. And also worth noting, like you think of the O'Reilly trade with Buffalo. Sometimes it takes a long time to figure out, you know, how deals shake out. Tage Thompson looks pretty good in Buffalo right now, even though we thought it was a complete bust for years. So uh, these things may take a little while, but um, I think maybe we also need to wait for all the dominoes to fall. I don't think Vancouver's done, and maybe when the deadline passes, we'll see what the roster looks like. Maybe it makes more sense. Farhan, thoughts on the bigger picture? Johnny, do you got to bounce? Go ahead if you do, man. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that Johnny could explain it to me because the Canucks management team hasn't done a good job of explaining it quite yet, right? So, and you know, to Mike's point, he's right. Like, if you if you bring in a 25 year old player and all of a sudden they hit, like, you know, and, and even in in Bovillia's case, they got to sign him if all of a sudden it turns out well. And is that where they want to invest their money right now? So, um, it, it really they talked about retool instead of rebuild. None of it has really made sense. I think the market is truly ready for this to be done right. You know, Jim Rutherford in one of his availabilities recently talked about the impatience and how everybody wants this done now. No, they don't. They don't. They want an actual plan, one that makes sense and one they can buy into, and they think they can do it fast. And a lot of people have been critical, you know, Jim Benning with ownership, that he was executing ownership's vision, right? That he essentially went to ownership right. and said, I can do this faster. They got rid of Trevor Linden and Jim Benning couldn't execute it, right? And so now it's the same vision except with a guy that's got three Stanley Cup rings and a Hall of Fame resume, but it's the same vision. And this time I don't think it's the owner. I just think Jim Rutherford's in his early 70s and doesn't have the appetite for a five-year rebuild. So his vision just seems to align with the owner as opposed to the owner driving it which was the case previously. So uh, it's, it's awkward. And, and Johnny might be right. They may have backed into the right deal here with a first-round draft pick and if Rocky works out. Because, you know, Bovillier is the type of player that initially, based on how Rutherford was presenting his plan, was what they wanted. And really, in the end, it might be the third piece out of this deal, right? So, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see what it looks like. But it, it just seems like it's all, um, you know, wallpaper as opposed to foundation. What do you think? Uh, you talked a little bit about Bo, Hor- Bo Horvat, what he meant, you know, in that locker room to the city and all that. Like, what do you think the legacy will be of his of his stay there? I mean, he's been a pretty long time Canuck here, Farhan. You've been dealing with him for a long time. Like, what do you, what do you think the what do you think the legacy of Bo Hor- Horvat in Vancouver will be? Well, from a on-ice perspective, it's not much, right? I mean, he was a very good player here. Uh, you know, you, you can't make the case that he was an elite player, but he was he was very, very good and brought really good value and played a lot of different roles and provided good leadership. But at the end of the day, they haven't been a playoff team, right? Yeah. I mean, it's been it's been a pretty ugly stretch since uh, you know they stumbled into the playoffs under Willie Desjardins in 2014, and then you know we we've had one bubble run and it, it hasn't been good right so i don't think you can hang that on bo horvat but if you look at the sedines for example you're going to tie their legacies to the fact that they were hall of fame players who got to a game seven of the stanley cup and you know won a couple of president's trophies won individual trophies with the heart and the ross and and all of that and 
so they were elite, elite, top of league players. Um, that's not going to be what defines Bo Horvat in terms of his legacy because people will just look at it and say, you know, you're overvaluing a guy that played on a losing team. Yeah. But as I said, for me, I just view it so differently because those other parts matter to me as much. And he did everything within his power. He got the most out of his ability. You know, people didn't know when they brought him in. Interestingly enough, Lula Morello is the guy that executed the Schneider for Horvat trade. And it was Schneider yeah, for a, a top-end draft pick, which turned out to be Horvat, and now they're both there. You know, I think a lot of people were disappointed at the time because Schneider was an elite goaltender then, and people felt that Horvat might not be above a third-line center, that he didn't skate well enough to be better than that. And then eventually, Schneider and his injury history makes him an afterthought. Horvat turned into a really good player who uh, can score, can skate, can check, and can do a lot of things. So for me, I just think he's squeezed every drop of juice out of the orange in terms of his ability and has tried to lead in the best possible way. And that's what his legacy will be to me. Uh, when I think of Bo Horvat in that draft, I was working that draft, buddy. I was down on the floor and <laughs> Horvat got picked. And he came walking down from the stands and hugged the, all the family and everything like that. And I was standing there at the time we had the draft on TSN. And uh, he was walking towards the stage and he picked his, he took his jacket off and he was looking around and he handed me his suit coat. <laughs> he, he just handed me his suit coat. And I, I was standing there with a TSN microphone in my hand and he hands me his suit coat. So I was like, oh, okay. Oh, did it, did it fit? Uh, no, I didn't put it on. I just, uh, I did go through the pockets though. No oh, cash. Uh, no, I'm kidding. That but, is so, good. so he hands it to me and I'm standing there. And then uh, I think someone from the Canucks PR staff, I found them and gave them the jacket. But Horvat and I had a good laugh about that after. Cause he's like, yeah, I didn't know what to do. You just know you can't drag the, the jacket up onto stage. So. Uh, well, man, listen, Farhan, it's been eventful for you out there big time in Vancouver this year, buddy. Oh, like of all the markets, I mean, you have a tendency you can kind of lay a little low in that market at times. Not this year, my friend. Oh, yeah. You know, for me, it's been normally the last few years, and you know how much I do on the football side. Yes. So my, my, connect, my hockey season generally goes like this. They go to training camp and they begin the season and I'm all in. And then November hits and I'm covering CFL playoffs. And then after that, I've got NFL playoffs and Super Bowl and, you know, NFL combine and all this stuff. And by the time I can fully integrate back into the Canucks, they're out of it. Yeah. And nobody cares. So I'm not yeah. getting the call from Gino, <laughs> not getting the call from Sports Center to, to constantly be on air. And, you know, and it's, it's okay because I need a bit of downtime after all that football stuff. So it's definitely not been that year. You know, and, and I know you like your, your got your back stories, so I'll give you one. You yeah, I love I it. I love it. You know why I have a full-time on-air job with, at TSN? Why is that? And it's it's because of Mike Keenan and the, the most volatile period of the Vancouver Canucks prior to this one was back then. So Mike Keenan came in, and our uh, executive producer at the time who hired me was a guy named Mike Day. Yeah. And Mike Gay was in Vancouver. And back then, we had the Western Broadcast Center, right? Like for that two years from 97 to 99, where uh, we split screen Sports Center. Back then, it was Sports Desk. Right. One host in Vancouver, one in Toronto. And so my job at the time, I was reporting part time and producing part time. So it was half on air, half off air. And Mike was in town. And when, when um, Keenan was here, every day we had a cycle. He would train a player. Uh, the next day, that new player would we'd go to the airport to send the player off. The next day, the new player would come in. Uh, he would practice. 
They would play in a game, and the next day there was another trade. And it was literally that level of insanity. And Mike was here for a week, and he's like, we got to get you on air full-time. Like, this is crazy. We need you on air full-time. So I said, okay, and, and there it went. And I told Keenan that story because I thanked him. I said, because of your insanity, I became a full-time on-air person at TSA. So <laughs> That's awesome. People ask, so people ask me that compare this era to that era. And, like, it, it's tough. Like, it's, it's different, yeah. right, because there just was such a movement of players back then. But this is this might be worse because that was so personnel driven, and we had the Trevor Linden and Mark Messier and the captaincy and the Linden trade and the Bull Horvat trade feels kind of like that because yeah. you know it was Miller or Horvat, right? That's yeah. kind of how it went down, right, in terms of salaries. But uh, this is it's almost worse, right, because you've got the medical stuff and yeah. there's, there's just been so much the Bruce Boudreau and how toxic that whole thing. Into. So when, when you add it all in, I, I almost think this is worse, but it's been a minute since it's been this bad. Man, I'm used to covering the drama and the downtimes in Edmonton for the decade of darkness. You and I, man, we put in some we put in some years covering some pretty mediocre hockey. Yeah, this, uh, this feels like pre 2015, pre, yeah. pre McDavid Oilers yeah. in terms of lack of direction. And, and honestly, for the first time in like eight years covering this team, 25 at TSN, it actually feels like work. Ah. Uh, well, you know, we'll keep it in perspective. It's, it's uh, you know, we still get to watch hockey games for a living, and, and we certainly appreciate that. But, yeah, man, you go through the grind, and that's the thing is you're not done. Like, you got the rest of this season, too. So, been there, my friend. I've been there covering, covering meaningless well, hockey, but uh, is what it is. You'll bring your usual vigor to your uh, storytelling, I'm sure. <laughs> what, what's your Super Bowl pick? Your who's in the game. Oh, you know what, man? I have been so, – you know me. I, I don't have a lot of time in my life for – uh, for this stuff, so like I don't think anybody cares about my uh, Super Bowl uh, pick. Yeah, I don't know, KC. Yeah. Like what? No, KC. I'll go KC, yeah. but I'm not going to back it back Sorry. it up with any logic. Why don't we get you on close to Super Bowl and you, we can talk? A, I'll pretend with you. We can talk some NFL football. All right, buddy. I'll, I'll prop you with your questions too. Hey, all right, Farhan. Thank you for doing this on short notice, my friend, and thank you for the got your backstory. I loved it, and we'll have you back on the podcast again soon. All right, anytime. Take care, my friend. All right, cheers, pal. That is the great Farhan Lalji from TSN Vancouver Bureau. Okay, that's going to wrap up the emergency podcast. Big thanks to Mike Johnson. Uh, We never got to say a proper goodbye to Johnny. He had to drive his daughter somewhere, so we just kind of hopped right off there. Johnny, thanks for your contribution today. Appreciate it, Farhan, as well. And thanks to our sponsors, uh, Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. Pro Hockey Life, and Liberty Smart Security as well. A full episode is coming your way this week. Likely to drop eh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Got to sort some things out. This Horvat trade has kind of thrown things out of whack. But lots more to come here on Got Your Back this week. Cheers, folks. Have yourselves a fantastic finish to your night.